good to see most of you here today. And when I decide about Dagger, I may say all of you, but I'm not sure yet. We're uh, probably about halfway through Galatians. Today we're going to work through Galatians 2, 20 and 21 between uh, now and this evening. If you don't have those verses memorized, they read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live to the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I've always really liked these two verses. I feel like uh, they do a lot to sum up a very large portion of Christianity. Not that two verses can sum up the entire Bible, but if you had to pick two to grab up and say, well, these two do a pretty good job of illustrating a large chunk of it, I think that these two verses would be in that small list. Much of what we know of the Christian life is dependent upon the Apostle Paul. He wrote half the books of the New Testament. His conduct and his attitudes are set before us as an example. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now that he was saying follow the great and powerful Paul. He's just saying, I strive to live like Christ, so follow me in the idea of being a good Christian. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have for an example. He liked to point out the idea that if somebody's living godly, it was a good idea to watch what they were doing and emulate some of that. Not because that human being was worth emulating, but because if they were emulating Christ, they were on the right track, and it could help you get to that point. But what principles govern Paul's life as a Christian? And that could be a question asked about any person perceived as a good Christian. And uh, these two verses here, we find Paul expressing some of the principles that he used to govern his day-to-day -day life. Principles that guided his life as a disciple of Christ and guided him as he speaks of the life which I now live in the flesh. So what exactly is that kind of life? And that's something that we should always think about, not just with Paul, but as we live our own lives. What kind of life are we living versus what kind of life should we live and what kind of life do we want to live? And along the same questioning is, are we governed by the same principles that govern the life of Paul after that trip where he got blinded on the road to Damascus? Notice, first of all, that Paul says his life which he now lived to the flesh was... And we know that that starts right out with how it was a, a life crucified with Christ. And that's something that may confuse somebody who's not familiar with the idea of Christianity. Because you think of a crucifixion, most people, even out of the church, think of, okay, well, that Jesus guy was crucified and he died after that. And they don't know the rest of the story, but they associate this word crucifixion with destroying or killing. So how was Paul crucified, but yet he's writing these letters? Well, we can go back in time and join the cross, or rather we can't. That's not something we can do. I imagine even if science got to the point of time travel, that really wouldn't be a thing to do anyhow. Where would faith be if we were back there verifying that the Bible was real? That's not faith if you're out there looking for the burden of proof. But we can be united with Christ in his death when we are baptized. And Paul wrote about that, and this goes back to that whole Bible context thing. Romans 6, 3-8 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. There's a whole lot of theology just packed into a little bit there, but it should make sense to most of us. When you have a true blue conversion into Christianity, you go through these steps of conversion. I like how Bruce put that this morning. The plan of salvation is that last step number six as we see it, but becoming a Christian, going through that conversion process, that's not the process of being saved. That's the process of being converted so that you then are in Christ, so that you then are saved afterward. I like that that wording and that sequencing of events after hearing it. But as these things are going on, these are things that we should be realizing. When we're doing it the right way, the old human being is supposed to be gone. Yeah, we're still here. We're still that person, but we should be changed. If you say you have gone from being worldly to being a Christian and absolutely nothing has changed about you, you should reevaluate that situation. Because as we joked about up here before, you can't be touched by Christ and walk away the same any more than you can climb the pole out there and swing from the high voltage lines and leave that situation unchanged. There's going to be a change. There is no two ways about it. It has to happen. So note that baptism is into Christ, and specifically a baptism into his death, in which we are united together in the likeness of his death. Verse 5 out of what we just read, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now we're getting closer to what Paul's talking about here. Verse 6 says, we've crucified the old man with Christ. Well, he was physically crucified. We spiritually crucified the version of us that wasn't going to get us anywhere we wanted to be. Going on to verse 8, dying together with Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And this also goes right back into that faith thing. We don't need a time machine to know that our God is just and honest and he said it. He means it. He told Abraham, I will raise a nation up out of this kid. So Abraham said, fine, you want me to crucify him, I'll do it. You said he's going to have a nation raised from me. So I don't got to worry about it. You'll take care of this. He didn't hesitate. He went right up there, right up to the point where the Lord said, oh, hold on, stop a minute. Which is how our whole lives ought to be. Okay, well, the Lord said that, so I'm not worried about it. That's how it's going to be. If we have been baptized into Christ, we can say together with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. I always like Jay's analogy of that verse there, into Christ. When you get baptized, you get into the water for the physical side of it. So on the spiritual side, why wouldn't you be getting into it as well? He described getting dressed. When you get up and leave your house in the morning, you don't take your pants, your shirt, and your jacket and drape them over your shoulder and walk away. You probably wouldn't get real far before a policeman or somebody stopped you. You've got to actually take the time to get into those clothes, be inside of them. They have to completely engulf you. And your physical part of the baptism is the same way. And the spiritual absolutely positively had better be no different. You are getting into Christ, which means you just should be completely submerging yourself in everything about the Lord that you can. And that was all 
starting to sidetrack off, but let's go back to where we started. What does crucified with Christ mean? Because we have a room full of Christians here, and none of us have holes in our hands and feet, and none of us have died and been put in a tomb. Verse 19, preceding our verses, says, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Paul wrote to himself as a, of himself as a Jew who was not at one time under the law, who was at one time under the law of Moses. We know Paul's history. He grew up a Jew. He was devout. He was into the, all of it. He was into the politics. He was into the religion. He buried himself in it the way it said to. You study the law of Moses. It says, write it on your heart, write it on your mantle, write it on your pulse. Talk about it day and night. Keep it on your mind. Live it, breathe it, eat it, drink it. It is everything. And Paul was that kind of Jew. To the point where when Christianity come around, he said, well, I don't think you guys are a God, so I'm going after you. And he had all that same zeal for his Christianity. So writing to himself, as a Jew who was one time under the law of Moses, and not an ignorant one, he knew what he was talking about. He said that through the law, I am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. And the fact is that those who have been crucified with Christ have died to the law. One thing that you will quickly learn if you really truly study the law and study it hardcore, because all of our Bible is relevant, one of the things you'll learn about the law of Moses is there is not a person in this room, except maybe Levi, who is actually capable of keeping that law, and he's probably not either. It's just not in human nature. We can't do it. We're going to have thoughts. We're going to do things. We're going to be impulsive. We're going to break the law. And worse yet, for those of us in 2021 in the United States, we don't have an abundance of animals and altars. In Romans 7, 1 through 6, it says, I know, it says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law doth hath, hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is now free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who raised him from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve the newness of the Spirit and not be in the oldness of the letter. Now, somebody might walk into the middle of this lesson and say, okay, so we're talking about marriage. No, we're not at all, and that's not an in-depth study of marriage, and we're not going there today. But it's no different than all of the shepherding analogies that they used because Jews knew about taking care of animals. Well, what else do they know about? They know about being married because they did that. So it makes for a perfect analogy. You skim the service, and the fact is, if two people are married, they're married, and then unless one of them dies, they're married. And you can dip into all kinds of other things if you're doing a lesson on that, but just skim the top, and that's where you are, and that's where we are with this. You can be a Jew married to the law, or since Christ has died through that death, you can move on to a better situation. Because as our Bibles will tell us, we're all sinners. Galatians 2.20 will clarify to let us know that it all means death to yourself. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh 
by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That verse starts right out with being crucified, which signifies the death. But we're alive, and the fact of the matter is, it's no longer I who live. Jesus taught we must be willing to deny self and follow him. Paul doesn't teach anything that contradicts Christ. Quite the contrary, he's giving the doctrine that Christ gave him. Luke 9, 23 and 24, And he said to them, All, if any man will come after me, let, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whatsoever will, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. In other words, being a Christian has some work involved. Yeah, there'll be some sacrifices that are totally worth it, but at the end of the day, you've got to get your priorities in line. And if you don't have Christ at the head of that priority list, it's not going to work out the way that you're hoping for. The Bible says put Christ first. And the fact of the matter is, not only as you study throughout the Bible, but as you look at the reality of it, once you've done that, everything else falls in a line on its own with a whole lot less effort. Because if you put Christ first, you follow his teachings. If you follow his teachings, the other things have to be correct. In the end, it all means we have crucified the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Do we still have thoughts and desires and ideals and impulses? Absolutely, we're human beings. But we know better, and with the help of Christ, we can do better. Uh, these are there, and those are it is those of which occur in principle at our baptism. Galatians 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You put that together with 6, 11 through 14, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in a, your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You don't have to be a servant to these sins that have dominated your life before, or to these worldly ideas, or to any other number of negatives you can put out there, because you can be in service to the Lord, and that will be a pathway to a better everything. This is something which occurs in practice as we continue to put to death the deeds of the body. Somebody will see a Christian say or do something wrong, Oh, you can't say or do that, you're a Christian. Well, no, I can't. I just know that I shouldn't. And as my life progresses and I work at it, I should do better today than I did yesterday. Because it's not that a Christian can't make a mistake, it's that a Christian shouldn't make a mistake. And that they're going to make a mistake because you're still a human. Being a Christian doesn't transform you automatically into some celestial being. It just puts you into a better situation. And gives you some added strength and help that you don't have otherwise. Uh, it gives you a, a situation where there's a transformation in your life. This occurs in practice as we continue to put to death the deeds of the body throughout the rest of our life as we grow. You grow by studying and practicing everything in the Bible a little bit at a time as the Lord's ready to unveil it to you because three people can be put down together and checked out for a year and they're all going to learn at different rates and I don't care what you're teaching them. The point is that you are taking the time to spend with the Lord and thought, word, and prayer, and deed, and practicing your Christianity so you get better at it. Romans 
8, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit do but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That goes back to the same idea of being crucified with Christ, and then it's him living through you. Colossians 3, 5 through 9 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil conspicuous, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. That's not a list of every sin on the earth, but that's stuff that people can identify with that lead to other things, and probably can be tied to most every sin. And it's saying, step away from this life and move over to this life. The Lord's here to help. And in the end, it all means that we have been crucified to the world. Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I into the world. You're not celebrating that you're so much better. No, you're celebrating that the Lord took care of business and was able to help you become better. Before our obedience to Christ, we were in bondage to the rudiments of the world. Literally into slavery to our sin and to the fate that that was going to bring upon us. Galatians 4, even so, when we were children, we, we were, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. That also goes into the idea of the law, because Paul will tell you that if you were under the law, you were in bondage. Verse 9 says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and legally elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? And if you go into that specifically, he was writing to a group of people about which side of this they were on, where you are in Scripture, are you following the law or are you being a Christian? But it's relevant to us under the fact that we need to be under the law of Christ and we need to be servants to God. And we need to not try to follow our old sinly nature. Or be mistaken under the idea that we are capable of following the law or that that's where we belong now that Christ has come. But now Christ, of course, is our rule and authority in life, and that's something that needs to be recognized no matter what your background. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Verses 20 through 22, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men, we yank that right out of context and say, I don't got to care about what the lawmakers and police say. It said right here. No, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is two different sections of religion, the Old Testament section the New Testament, both relevant, but only one binding. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. That's one of them short, powerful verses that would do us all well to remember. Because it's like the old saying outside of church, don't do it if you wouldn't do it in front of Grandma. Okay, well, if you're doing everything you do in word or in deed in the name of the Lord Jesus, right before you do it, if you're thinking, man, I've got to put 
the name of Jesus on that, it might make you think twice before you go out and do it. Because there are things you know he's not going to sanction. If you really love him, you wouldn't want to try to put his name on it. Any external law, world, or internal self or flesh, or any type of control are to be surrendered to the authority of Christ. That means unless whatever rule or law is anti-Christian, following it is also of Christ. One who has been baptized into Christ and is letting Jesus be his or her authority in all things is living a life crucified with Christ. All that big talk and big words and yap in my mouth I've been doing boils down to that. One who has been baptized into Christ and is letting Christ be his or her authority in all things, is living a life crucified with Christ. As we go through this more later, we're going to know more that Paul wrote about it. We'll pick up tonight with the life which I now live. Because we got into the idea of, okay, once we're converted and we're baptized into Christ, now we need to be submitting to Christ and living for Christ. Or as it would say in Revelation 2, be faithful unto death. And Paul goes deeper into that as he talks about the life which he now lives. And that's the life that as Christians we need to take more care for. We know our past. We know where we've been. Now where are we heading? Did we just step through the motions to please somebody else? Were we serious about our conversion then? But it doesn't really matter now. Now we're just cutting the boat off the hand. Where are we now? And where is that going to take us? Are we submitting to Christ because we love Him, we want to follow Him, and we have faith in Him? Or are we showing up to church? Because that's what we do. On Sunday morning, we go to church. Wednesday night, we go to church again. There's some nice people there. Sometimes they have a cold drink or some snacks or something. It's kind of nice. Well, what about Saturday? What about Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday? Are we seven-day-a-week Christians, just like we're whole Bible Christians? Or do we go through the motions? There's a lot more to it than that, but everything can be evaluated as a Christian. Am I doing this in the name of Christ because Christ would condone it? Or am I just a Christian on Sunday and Wednesday? Or whatever day you may have a study. As we leave this off until this evening, we're going to have the invitation that we always have together. You know the drill with the invitation. If you're subject to it, don't wait. Because if you're not a Christian and you choose to wait, well, what happens if you die before the next invitation? If you're a Christian, why struggle alone when you have a whole family who's there for you? And more people praying, praying means more power of God. No matter what need you may have, when we have the invitation, it's open to you now or any time after, but especially now as we all stand and sing.